Hello, this is Meet the Writers. I'm Georgina Godwin. Today, I am speaking to a Swedish author and psychologist. She spent 10 years writing her debut novel, a highly celebrated epic family drama, which won her the prestigious August Prize for Best Fiction Book of the Year 2020 in her native Sweden. It's been translated to English by Agnes Brumier, and it's called Collected Works, a Novel. Lydia Sangren, welcome to Meet the Writers. Thank you. I have really been so excited to meet a writer and I have met hundreds and hundreds because this book is extraordinary. I've been pressing it into the hands of everybody I meet and they look at the the title and they go, Lydia Sangren, never heard of her. And I go, that's the point. It's a debut novel. (laughs) (laughs) And it's extraordinary that somebody who has never published before should come out with a book of this magnitude. It's seven hundred pages, but also of this depth and of this... I mean, I was absolutely captivated. I, I, I just couldn't put it down. So good to hear. Sometimes when I wrote it, I was wondering, what am I doing? Is this really reasonable, writing all this huge story? It took so, so much time. Uh, and I, um, there were many times when I was wondering, am I really sane <laughs> or am I doing something utterly crazy? Um, I think I should just explain a little bit yeah. what the book's about so that we can then go on to talk about yes. various aspects of it. It's really about ordinary people in your hometown of Gothenburg. And Martin is a publisher uh, and he, he lives with his wife, Cecilia. They have two children. Cecilia disappears and then the book talks about that disappearance. We also meet their friends, Gustav, who's an artist, and we see also see through the eyes of Raquel, who is their daughter. But the really interesting thing about the book is the way it plays with time. And we'll come back to that in a moment, because time is an extremely important question here. It took you 10 years. And you were 20 when you started. And You were saying you wondered if it was crazy to do this. A 20-year-old sitting down to write a 700-page novel is crazy, I would say. Yes, (laughs) it is. I had no idea of what kind of journey I was embarking on. uh, And I had this thought, actually like Cecilia has in the book, how hard can it really be? People write novels all the time. Is it so hard? What makes it hard? Maybe I should just do it, you know. And I I think you have to have this really high thoughts of yourself somehow to be able to do such a a crazy thing. And I had been a reader all my life. I really loved reading. So writing for me was like creating that kind of world which I found in novels, like to create a world and dwell in it. And uh, that was kind of where it started. I wanted to build this universe uh, and I had some ideas uh, that I wanted to explore. And uh, But for, for the first years of writing, it was like, you know, building a dollhouse almost. And you're like inventing all these background stories. I used to read a lot of fantasy when I was a kid. And like inventing the the world was a big part of the pleasure in writing. And so was it with collected works. 
And the world you write about is actually not that different from your own because it's set in Gothenburg and, and you grew up there. Now, the Cecilia, one of the principal characters, although she's more of a, an absence than a presence in the book, uh, grew up, though, in Ethiopia. Do you have any kind of West African background? Not myself, but my grandmother has lived there and her uh, some of my relatives uh, for a couple of years in the 70s. And she used to work there, so she... During my uh, childhood, she went to Ethiopia, to Addis Ababa, uh, three months every year. And I have been there with her as well. Uh, so I have a kind of a family background, but not personally. And uh, I remember actually when I I was like struggling with uh, Cecilia's history, like w- when I tried to, you know, understand who is this person, where does she come from? And um, what makes you, what makes you this kind of of being that she is? And for me, it was an epiphany realizing that. Well, obviously, she did not grow up in Gothenburg. She's like an alien in Sweden, and she's an alien in her like you couldn't even call it native country. She she moves to Addis Ababa when she's a small child. And she lives there and it's like her childhood and she learns to speak Amharic and uh, it's a big loss for her actually uh, leaving the country. I'm glad nobody ever asked me this before about uh, Ethiopia and Cecilia's childhood. But as you say, it's such a big part of her because she is... She has to learn to cope on her own from very early on, doesn't she? And when they come back to Sweden, she doesn't even move back in with the family. And I think that's the key to her character is that she is so self-contained. And in the end, what she just really needs is is the contents of her mind and a library. Yeah. Talking about how it's quite similar, there's some sort of parallels to to your life. You're one of seven children, very musical. Tell tell me about that musical background and how that works with your writing. Actually, when I was a child, I used to play a lot of music and I used to write and I used to draw. So I had this like urge of expressing myself and I did from a very early age with the means that that I had, you know. And my grandmother told me I was sitting by the piano and I had maybe like written something and I made some music to it and I illustrated it. And I wouldn't even call it artistic, but this kind of, you know, artistic, uh, square quotes, things were very close to play for me. It was like a way of playing. And uh, during my entire childhood, I played the piano and uh, eventually I, I started to play rock music and I formed a rock band with it, played the electric guitar. And for many years, music was my like principal way of uh, expressing myself. And uh, it was really intertwined with writing. I wrote songs and I wrote a story about a rock band band when I was a kid so I it came like from the same source and uh, when I started uh, to write this book I was about 20 and I for an entire year I was listening to almost nothing but Bruce Springsteen and I had this idea I wanted to write in a style that reminds of how Roy Bitton plays the piano Roy Bitton in, in the E Street Band because being a pianist myself, I, I listened specifically to the piano. And there was, you know, some kind of atmosphere in it that I wanted to... Uh, I, I felt 
I felt some kind of aesthetic kinship to it. Uh, so That's I, so true because you've got the hook in there, you've got the chorus, you come back again yeah. and again to the interview that yes, Martin is doing. That's true. Just like a piece of music. And I always had this, uh, you know, sense of, you know, to keep up the beat and there, there, there is a certain rhythm in, in, the, in the style. And I think that Agnes has captured it very well in the English translation. And um, so I always had this kind of... I f- found out that I uh, oftenly compare my writing process to like music, like having a chord or you know a melody, and uh, I can I can feel when it doesn't really you know when it stumbles and mm, when it mm. yeah. Uh, at one point, Cecilia says to her daughter, they're talking about translation. She says, "All kinds of things become warped and distorted in translation." Yeah. How true is that of this book? Because it seemed to me that this was such a true, clear, authentic voice coming through. And I felt it must be a very good translation, though, of course, I can't read it in the Swedish. I think I think it is, because I, when I read it, I, I kind of recognised myself. But it was like seeing myself from the outside. Like, oh, is that? Oh, uh, is that how I look? Because I'm so used to my own language and my way of writing. I don't, you know... I don't hear it or I can't see it, but uh, I think she has. She, uh, it's very hard to describe what what makes a good translation, actually. And I, I think Cecilia is being a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I personally agree with her. <laughs> it's distorted. It's something else. Uh, I'd say it's something else. It's not completely the same, but it's very true to the original. Mm. Also, speaking to her daughter, she talks about time, uh, and she's a linguist, and she says, uh, she talks about the origins of of the word. So you have chronos, which is chronological, and then kairos, which she uh, explains as a situational concept that refers to the right time for action, and that you must learn to recognise what the right time for action is. And really, I think that goes to absolutely the heart of this book and the way that you write it so that we're getting flashbacks you're never confused as you are in some books about oh hang on are we back in the 90s here or where are we it's so smooth that transition and I just wondered how you you manage that that sort of melding of time I really I worked a lot with that because the passing of time and the interaction between past and present was one of my main ideas or like motives uh, when I started to write and I wanted to capture how the past interacts with the present and keep like a kind of you know thread through time so that what happens in the past because it's it's written like there's a chapter um, from the past and a chapter followed by something in the present and I all I wanted them to like work together and form a picture. So I had, I don't know really how I did it, but I, I wanted to like, I don't know how to explain. Actually, it's it's very beyond words for me that that kind of <laughs> which is extraordinary because yeah. you have such a skill with them but it's interesting <laughs> that you say to form a picture because Gustav is another huge character in yeah. this book and he's an artist we first meet him when he's a teenager just doing sketches in his book he becomes this world celebrated artist 
And you say that you draw too. You're, you're also an artist. And I think that is what you're doing. You're, you're giving us his works, but on the page. Yeah, he's much, much better than I ever was. And I can recognize my limits. And I knew that I'm not as good as at drawing as I am at writing. The same goes for music. So I had to choose writing. <laughs> that was my best shot. And uh, But it was such a pleasure for me to, you know, live out my my artistic um, fantasy in Gustav and invent his paintings. For me, they are very vivid and real. And uh, I wish I could do that, you know, I, that I could have painted like him. And I still, uh, I still think of his paintings. It's like I have them, you know, mm. but in my mind. Wonderful. Now, Martin is a publisher. That's not how he set out. It's not what he set out to be. He and Gustav, we meet them as, as teenagers. They're great friends. And he, too, is a writer. And he, the collected works, I guess, are, are his collected works. He's looking back at, at his life. But throughout the whole book, you have this recurring, I guess the chorus is coming back and he's being interviewed about his work. He's being interviewed as if he is a successful writer. Yes. Um, Which, in fact, he never really no, becomes. No, exactly. He's, I think he has a lot to say about writing and he really loves literature. He's a big reader and he's, he's talking at some point about being like in service but he's not a writer and I don't know why he he can't never really accept his own limits I think mm. uh, and he he's not able to risk his fantasy picture uh, or imaginary um, like the, the image of himself as being not necessarily a successful writer, but doing something original and doing something, writing something that really, you know, touches mm. people. He's a publisher, yeah. but you were writing this before you were published, obviously. Uh, but there's a lot of knowledge there of the industry. Yes, I don't know how I succeeded in that because <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with the industry. But my father ran a small company, or not, not really a small company, but a company, a ventilation company. And I figured, how big difference can it really be? A company is a company, you know. And it was, it was important for me that Martin's company, it should be an independent publishing house. Mm. It should be his own work, his life's work. And uh, it was also, for some reason, important that he himself should not be an academic and um, I, I did a lot of research eventually when I realized that um, I didn't know all these little details that you really have to know mm. when you're writing about something. But I'm actually surprised when I found out. I was very afraid when I first let somebody read when I submitted the manuscript. I thought they are going to laugh because this is their everyday life. And I don't know anything about it. So they will. But they loved it. <laughs> yes. The 10 years that it took to write, I'm wondering if you wrote it in a year and then refined it over the next nine or if it was just growing with you as you as you grew because the character of Raquel is very, very similar to you she, in terms of her, her trajectory. She's a, a psychology student, as you were. And I wonder how the book then sort of followed your development as a person. Very, very organically, I would say. 
I wrote it continuously, but like it came from the beginning. It was different fragments and storylines and plots. It took me years to like form this into a story. And then to actually the the parts uh, about Raquel is the last one I ever wrote. And uh, I was 33 working as a psychologist. I, for some reason, it was very hard to write about her when I was similar to her when we were at the same level so I had to to you know create some distance between her and me and it was much easier to write about Martin and to like invent his life than to write about Raquel and the process was really I wish that I could like start to write on chapter one and then just continue but uh, it's chaotic Mm. Mm. it's interesting that you use the word organic there because so at one point Martin is talking about or thinking about doing pre-writing and he says he examines the the, the sort of idea of an organically unfolding narrative versus an intellectually constructed narrative and I wonder you would say you do the former yes but also I think Martin tries to like intellectually separate something that maybe you cannot really separate. I mean, I did a lot of thinking while writing this book, not least on structure. I thought of it like building a house. And some of my brothers and sisters are are engineers. Nobody in my family actually is an artist or a writer. They are lawyers and engineers and, uh, you know, They run marathon, but they don't write books. Lots of running in the book. Yeah, lots of running. I don't. (laughs) I run five kilometers tops. (laughs) And uh, but I thought of of it as building, you know. And so I I worked like consciously on the structure a lot. Mm. The novel is about writing. It's also about motherhood. It's about time. It's about opportunities not taken, as, as we've said. Motherhood is such a, a key part of this and Cecilia disappears. She leaves her children behind. And I think this is something that we just don't talk enough about in society is that some women just really aren't cut out to be mothers, no. but it's a shameful thing. Yeah. And I really wanted to explore one of my you know, starting points while writing was the idea of a woman who left her family and... Uh, I, I didn't know why. It was like a, 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 an enigma that I could explore and write around, like let the story unfold around that absence. And uh, Cecilia kind of stumbles into motherhood. It's not a, a choice really for her. Um, it's, how, it's how life turns out. And uh, it's not uh, maybe the life that is for her really. And uh, I think a a lot of people live like that. You know, life happens and they suddenly they find, okay, this is what it turned out to be. But I I think she would have been better off without Mm. kids somehow. You're a psychologist now and you wrote the bulk of the book actually while you were actually working, getting up at half past five in the morning to write it. I wonder though, with your professional head on, how you would help the people in this book. Oh, that's a good question. I think I would help them if they if they asked for help. So I wouldn't tell them what to do if they didn't ask me. And I'm not sure they would, actually. Cecilia is... Uh, 
she's as you described her very well i think she need, really needs nobody but herself mm. and she's content with a, a library and a desk so why would she ask for advice or but it must have yeah. deepened your understanding of of them of the characters how they worked the fact that you have studied uh, how to help people in in those kinds of situations yeah I, yes probably but it's hard for me to know how and why i think actually reading uh, reading novels has deepened my my understanding of people in general the ones i write about and the ones i, I see in my clinical practice and um, One thing, actually, that uh, I think has colored my writing is the idea that we do not know everything about ourselves. There are a lot uh, going on inside of us that we we are not aware of mm. and we are not rational. And if somebody asks you, why did you do this? It's not, maybe you can't answer, you don't know. Do you have the answer to this question? Why did you leave us in the dark at the end? Yes, I do. Because I think uh, I think reading is essentially a very creative process and I don't want to have I don't want to provide answers. I want to make people ask questions I think because it is a thriller it's a, it's a it's yes. a it's a mystery novel yeah. too um and again that wonderful line in here <laughs> they're discussing why crime is so popular in Cecilia I just love the words that come out of her mouth she says perhaps it's because it's a symptom of cultural degeneration and a lack of intellectual rigor more generally <laughs> <laughs> is that what you think of mystery novels of crime <laughs> uh, no Well, maybe a little. Maybe at the time when I wrote it, Cecilia is very, you know, she has very high intellectual standards. And I don't think um, there are a lot that, you know, can live up to her, <laughs> to her level. Mm. At one point, again, a wonderful quote from you. To write is to conquer the world. It's a chance to seize eternity. Yeah. To write is to refuse to die. Yes, I really, um, I really feel that, and I made it in the in the novel. I made it a quote from Martin's favorite author, William the, Wallace. William Wallace, yeah. the fictive William Wallace. I've searched the internet for yes, William Wallace. A lot of people did, and it makes me so happy. It just kept taking me back to Braveheart. Yeah, yeah, I know. It must have been like uh, going on some in, in the depths of my memory, yeah. but it sounds so good. William Wallace, it really sounds like a, uh, a real author. But I f- really feel that, that our lives are so short and we have, you know, a couple of minutes of existence. And w- what do we do with this time? I've... Um, I think I was, I read uh, French existentialism at an early age and I was formed by this idea that you have to really do something with your life and you can't go around waiting for it mm. to like form you or uh, like let choices make themselves. Yeah. I mean, there's so much Wittgenstein in the book. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, you don't mention him by name, but it's clear there's there's a lot of talk about Thomas Mann. Uh, it's extraordinary. A lot, so many kind of different literary references and it just feels so richly cultural but i think it's i've thought of it as a love letter to literature yeah and uh, a coming of age novel or a bildungsroman yeah. to talk with thomas mann and um, i've 
feel personally very, you know, that books I've read had uh, have had a big impact on me. And I wrote it between the years of 20 and 30 when uh, I was formed as a person by, you know, studying, studying psychology and psychoanalysis and uh, and reading novels, of course. It's, it's been a very important part of my education. And uh, one of our teachers told us in the beginning of uh, at university when I started psychology that you should read novels, not only theories about the mind, but uh, but read novels. It will make you better psychologists. Mm, makes, they are empathy generators, yes. aren't they? And yeah. you, you get the chance to visit a mind that is something really else and experiences that you have not had and thoughts you, you could not think yourself. Mm. Um, yeah, Lydia, this book was a huge bestseller when it came out in Sweden, what, three years ago? Yeah. I mean, absolutely massive. And one of the questions that Martin's asked by his interviewer is, what is his relationship with success? <laughs> and I wonder what yours is. That's a good question too. Um I can say this, I'm very, very happy I had this big success after 10 years of hard work. I think that if you write something in a couple of months, some people actually do that. There are, there are novels that are fantastic pieces of, of literature that has been written for a short time. And I would not call it easily, but, you know, still a couple of months or a year. And... Uh, Somehow I think that I, I had the idea that if you really work for a long time with something, it eventually it will be good. Mm. And for, for the next book, uh, I think that, okay, it, it might take 10 years, but if I, if I do it thoroughly and I really, I really um, take my time, um, it will be okay. Donna Tart. <laughs> Donna, she, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Every 10 uh, years. Yes. Yeah. It should be time for her next book. Uh, I hope so. I think it's almost 10 years since the goldfinch. I, I, I Google it regularly, actually. So so success has been very, you know... I'm also glad I was 33 and not 23 when it happened and that I had a real job. Yeah. You've had a baby yes. not long ago. And I wonder if that changes anything that you wrote in the book, which is so centred on motherhood and being an absent mother. I think it has like deepened, it's made me think more about Cecilia actually and uh, her actions and her way, her approach to motherhood. Like for example, she doesn't realize she's pregnant until it's too late, until it's too late to make an abortion when she, she has Raquel. And now I find that very... Well, interesting. It's uh, you have to be really alienated from your body uh, in order to not mm. uh, realize you're being pregnant. And she kind of, her approach is so intellectual to this uh, having a child. It's like not a project, but you know she reads book about it. And I think it's okay for her having Raquel because maybe maybe Raquel is like a small. Uh, like a copy of her somehow. And uh, I, I never really thought about this before, but Raquel's story is, 
her her mission, I think, is to liberate herself mm. from her absent mother and the, the shadow, the, la- the tall shadow of Cecilia. And uh, um, but Cecilia really breaks down once she has her second child, and she she cannot really she cannot cope with it. And she's so resourceful in so many ways, but for some reason, it's she can't talk about it. She has no words for it, and uh, so it, it it made me think more about her. And she's such a lonely person, and yet there's so much love in the book. But yeah. also, as you say, people alienated from their bodies and from their physical needs. Gustav wants what he can't have, or perhaps he did have it. We don't know that. And there are so many ways that you play with that. I just think it's absolutely stunning. What is the next book? What or when? What? What? We know it's at least seven years away. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure I should talk about that. Okay, well, do you promise to come back? Yes, I do. And maybe in two or three years. I I learned some from writing collected works. (laughs) So maybe not ten years this time. Lydia, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And in fact, if people want to have a look at Gothenburg, uh, your city, in the latest issue of Confect, you actually walk one of our writers around your city. You talk about the book while you're doing it and you point out various places that do appear in the book so people can see a lot more there. Collected Works by Lydia Sangren is translated by Agnes Brumier and it's published by Pushkin Press. It's out now. Lydia, thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Meet the Writers. Thanks to the producer, Nora Hall, and to our studio manager, Tamsin Howard. You can download this show and previous episodes from our website or from your preferred podcast platform. I'm Georgina Godwin. Thank you for listening.